Hey guys, Hyrulean here, and welcome back to another episode of Hyrulean Reviews Adventure Time. Before we get started with this block review of five episodes, I just wanted to quickly mention recently I posted a little update on how the series has been going, including some of the challenges I've been running into and, you know, kind of the whole concept that I might not end up finishing the show before the end of 2022. I just kind of gave a general sort of synopsis of kind of where we're at with the series so far and where it's going in the future, and I think it's a really good listen if you're somebody who does actively watch the series. So I did want to promote it here at the beginning of this episode, just in case you happen to miss it. It'll kind of explain how things are going to be going from here on out in the series. Nothing too crazy is changing. I basically just wanted to clarify how I'm going to handle some of the longer seasons and uh, how I'm going to handle the show not being finished by the end of 2022 because that was sort of the whole idea that I was supposed to finish the show by the end of 2022 and that likely is not happening anymore so I just wanted to give a little update. Uh, But anyway folks without further ado why don't we get into a new chunk of episodes from Adventure Time. I tell you, this season has been so high quality. These episodes are really great, and I really enjoyed watching them. And this is just such a great season. I was blown away. The quality has taken such a huge hike, and I honestly am all here for it. This is really, really great. The show is really starting to come into its own and be just absolutely excellent. So I hope that comes across in the across across in the reviews I'm about to present to you guys because I've been enjoying watching these episodes very much uh, but yeah that's enough rambling season 4 episode 16 burn low is the latest episode to continue the love arc between Finn and Flame Princess And basically, they've just been kind of taking things to the next level in their relationship. Going on lots of dates, they found out a way to hug each other, you know, things are getting pretty serious. And that's how this episode starts out. Uh, Finn is on a date with Flame Princess, and Jake is tagging along to kind of help make sure Finn keeps out of trouble, that kind of thing. And Finn helped Flame Princess build a house, which is basically just a little wooden hut uh, for her to kind of live in. Because if you recall in the episode where she was introduced, uh, she basically got kicked out of her kingdom because there she was like sort of being held in this lantern uh, for her own safety. But Jake got her released from that prison, so now she really doesn't have anywhere to live, so Finn helped her build a little wooden hut to live inside of. And they start to get close for a moment, but Finn actually does start to catch on fire, so he has to jump into the water, and she doesn't actually, like, express extreme pain from it this time. I think she might be starting to get used to it, or maybe they just decided not to make it important anymore, Uh, but... Finn does have to hop down into the water and kind of put out the fire that spread to his body from being close to her. But when he climbs back up, 
Jake helps him get wrapped up in tin foil so they can share a tender hug and kind of just enjoy each other's company and a little bit of of an embrace without, you know, putting Finn in serious danger. And after the tin foil hug, uh, Finn and Jake basically leave her to her own devices and start to make their way back to the treehouse for the night. And Jake asks him how he thinks the date went, and Finn said it's going pretty good. And Jake starts to explain all these different levels of dating, which are basically like a super convoluted version of like reaching second base or reaching third base, that kind of thing. Uh, But Jake refers to them as levels, and he makes his bendy arm turn into like a staircase. And he's like, level one is hugging, and level two is kissing. And then he goes through a couple other levels all the way up until level 15. And he's like, me and Lady Rainicorn reached level 15, but I'm not even going to talk about that one. And Finn's like, what's level 15? And Jake's like, you do not worry about that. You're not doing that. (laughs) So it's heavily implied, of course, that level 15 is sex. Uh, which will actually come up in a later episode now that I think about it. So keep your mind on the thought of Lady Rainicorn and Jake reaching level 15, because that is going to come up in one of the episodes here shortly. Uh, But basically, they head back to the treehouse, and Princess Bubblegum is randomly in there already. Like, she broke into their treehouse, and she's in their treasure room putting a bunch of money into a sack. And they're like, what the hell, Princess Bubblegum? What are you doing here? Why did you break into our house? And she's like, oh, I'm just collecting taxes. So that's fucking weird. But either way, basically, Finn heads upstairs to take a shower because as they're walking home, he discovers that he was stinky. And Princess Bubblegum asks where they've been, what they've been up to, just kind of making chit-chat, you know, as she steals their gold. And Jake explains that he's not really supposed to spill other people's private information, so he's not going to say anything. And then immediately he says that it was him and Flame Princess on a date. And Lady, or Lady, Princess Bubblegum does not take this information very well. Uh, And the reason for that is um, it turns out that Princess Bubblegum is the reason why Flame Princess was being held in the lantern at her dad's aka the flame kingdom and it's because she's emotionally unstable and she burns brighter the more crazy her emotions are and so she basically gets out like a chalkboard and starts to explain to jake why they can't be together and Finn comes and she tells Finn to listen as well, but Finn immediately sneaks away as soon as she gets distracted. But yeah, she's drawing all this stuff out on a chalkboard and explaining it, and Jake falls asleep before he can actually hear the explanation, and when he wakes up, he realizes that Princess Bubblegum's just about to finish up her explanation, and Finn's still not there, and she turns around and she sees Finn's gone and Jake was asleep, and she's like, hey, you understand now, like, why they can't be together? And Jake's just like, oh, I gotcha. I understand, Princess. And as soon as she leaves, he's like, oh, Blob, Princess Bubblegum is jealous of Finn and Flame Princess. This is so crazy. 
but we learn that it's actually because her emotions are so unstable that if they share a kiss, it will spark such a strong emotion that basically Flame Princess will burn through the Earth's crust down into the core of the Earth where gravity is and she'll bounce back and forth with a ton of energy destroying the planet. Uh, so that's pretty crazy stuff. But basically, uh, Jake just kind of didn't catch any of that and continues on about his day. And then we cut to Finn. And Finn uh, comes back from another hangout with her. And he basically says that he, like, didn't kiss her yet. And he needs to figure out a way to, like, work into it or whatever. And Jake suggests that he writes some love poetry. So Finn heads out into the woods and kind of sits and watches the sunset and tries to come up with some good poetry ideas. And Princess Bubblegum sees this and immediately uh, comes over and asks Finn what he's doing. And he's like, uh, nothing. And she immediately realizes, like, oh, shit, you know, he's still talking to Flame Princess. He's writing poetry for her. And so she basically is like, didn't Jake tell you that you can't be with her, Finn? And Finn just gets all defensive and kind of flips out and admits that he was in love with Princess Bubblegum, but she shot him down so hard and ripped his heart out that he's finally happy for the first time since he dealt with that rejection and Princess Bubblegum just needs to leave him alone because he's seriously hurt and she was the one who hurt him. And so Finn just kind of runs off and she's really confused because she still doesn't really understand what's going on. But then she sees the like poetry and she realizes like, oh, he was writing poetry for Flame Princess. He doesn't know what's going on. And so she goes back to the treehouse and Jake is making some bacon pancakes, of course. And basically she yells at him like, did you not tell him that they can't be together? And... Jake's like, Princess, you need to stay out of Finn's life. You're bad for him. This is fucked up. You need to stop messing with his affairs and just let him get on with his life and date whoever he wants. And she explains, like, the whole thing. Like, no, literally, if they stay together, they're going to end the world as we know it because they're going to destroy the planet. And so Jake's like, oh, shit, that's completely different. And he, like, scoops her up and grows big and smashes through the treehouse wall. And they run off to try and catch up to Finn before he gets to Flame Princess. And they arrive just too late. And Finn gives Flame Princess a kiss, burning him, obviously. Uh, but making her emotions spark so crazily that she starts to burn a hole deep into the ground. And she's going down and down and down and down. And they arrive... And Finn's just kind of confused, like, what the hell are you doing here, Princess Bubblegum? But he doesn't really, like, have time to think about that. He wraps himself around Jake's arm and jumps down the hole, and Jake has no choice but to stretch him down after Flame Princess. And she's so far down at this point that Jake kind of, like, has to flop over, and he, like, covers the hole. Uh, so the oxygen to the shaft down into the earth is cut off. And immediately, Flame Princess's flame starts to go out. And PB is like, oh, this is perfect. If you stay in this one spot for 21.3 seconds, 
all of the oxygen in the shaft will be cut out enough that she'll burn out and then we'll be fine and basically Finn gets down there and like kind of scoops her up and starts to try and pull her out but she is completely out of oxygen like she's ready to die down there because all of her oxygen is gone so Finn does CPR on her and it brings back her flame just enough that he can pull her out and save both of them and stop the earth from being destroyed and I should mention at this point as well they still have not clarified if the planet that Ooh is on is Earth, but I'll go forward assuming it is uh, because of our prior knowledge on sort of what's happened on the planet and that kind of thing. Um, but basically, so once they get back to the surface, they kind of look at each other for a second, and Finn picks up a rock and kisses it and hands it to her, and she kisses it in the same spot. And they have a little tender moment, and then they walk away, and uh, Jake and Princess Bubblegum are just kind of, like, relieved, and they're like, phew, that was close. And that's the end of the episode. So, naturally, I have a few things to talk about when it comes to this one. Let me flip over to my notes, and we shall continue here. So, was this a filler episode? Since it continued the arc between Finn and Flame Princess, I said no. I did not manage to spot the snail. I actually forgot to check it, but I did not. I remember that. And fart jokes, yes, there were. When uh, Finn was in the water, he farted in the water to make bubbles to make Jake laugh. Um, So that was a whole thing. Uh, The cutest part of this episode was definitely Finn and Flame Princess, of course. They're, you know, they're iconic. They're adorable. Um, funniest part of this episode was definitely when Jake implied that, uh, tier 15 of dating is sex, and he admits that he's done it with Lady Rainicorn, but Finn will not be doing it. Um, also, when Princess Bubblegum was outed for breaking into their house to collect taxes, uh, there was a part where randomly Bemo came downstairs in the treehouse when they arrived back there. And was like, Jake, you're late for your video chat with President Porpoise. And he quickly throws up a video chat. And there's like a dolphin on there in a suit. And he starts like making dolphin noises. And Jake's like, President Porpoise, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And then they cut away. Um, And there was another part as well where Jake has a daydream kind of thing where he is the president. Jake is kind of obsessed with his vision of being the president in a B plot in this episode. Uh, but overall, this was a very solid and interesting episode. We did get some callbacks as well in the form of PB flying uh, from the treehouse on the back of her bird, the Morrow, which the bird's name is Morrow, if you recall from the previous episode. And also, this is the episode where Jake sings his iconic bacon pancakes song so really really great to hear that finally i was looking forward to hearing that in the show the bacon pancakes bit is one of the most famous bits from this entire show like there were so many memes about it and like i was really glad to see the episode that featured it finally i feel like i did watch this episode back in the day but i've honestly been kind of confused on which episodes i have and haven't seen mostly because I think 
at the point where season four hit was when I kind of, I stopped watching new episodes as they premiered, uh, but I did catch an episode here and there, but I do vaguely remember this episode, but that can't be said for some of the other episodes in this block, so, you know, it's interesting, but yeah, this was a really solid episode, loving the princess bubblegum, fire, or flame princess, Finn love triangle thing going on. PB was insistent for the most part in this episode that it wasn't a love triangle, but at the end, uh, Jake's kind of like, oh, you're jealous, aren't you, PB? And she's like, shut up! So there might be an actual love triangle here. It'll be interesting to see where it kind of goes, because they both do play into it a lot in the show at this moment, but also not. It's like, for every ten episodes, there's one episode that sort of involves Finn's love life. So we're getting progress on it, but not like tons of progress back to back to back or anything. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where it takes us down the line here. I think the next five episodes of this season are going to be very telling as well uh, after these ones, obviously. But yeah, there we have it, folks. Season 4, Episode 17, Bimo Noir. Imagine some snazzy, steady jazz music playing in the background while I read the description of this episode to you. So, Detective Bimo discovers one day that Finn the Human is missing one of his socks. And as such, he assigns himself to the case and tries to solve what happened to Finn's missing sock. Throughout this entire episode, our little friend Bimo decides to play a little detective game, and he sets up this whole scenario where he basically is pretending to be a noir-era-style detective. And what happens first is immediately... He starts to connect paint that is stained on to certain things and jelly that is stained on to certain things. And he has his first suspect, Ronnie the Rat. And so immediately, Bimo goes to confront Ronnie the Rat, who tries to flee the scene. But Bimo cuts him off and manages to question him and basically... Ronnie the Rat says that it had nothing to do with him and it was all to do with Lorraine. Lorraine is his alibi. She saw that he didn't do anything and Bimo needs to go talk to Lorraine. So Bimo goes and talks to Lorraine the Chicken. It's heavily implied Lorraine the Chicken was an ex-lover of Detective Bimo. But besides that, Lorraine was supposed to be the current lover of Ronnie. And as it turns out, Lorraine is actually cheating on Ronnie with a TV remote named BB. And so, Bimo immediately suggests BB of foul play because BB happened to be knowledgeable on the fact that the sock that was stolen belonged to Finn because Bimo actually just asked 
if Lorraine knew anything about a stolen sock. And Lorraine admitted that she didn't know anything about Finn's stolen sock, which instantly made Mimo suspicious because he never mentioned that it was Finn's. So after talking to Lorraine and nearly being seduced by her, Bimo then heads out and attempts to find Bibi at his dance club. And when he does find Bibi, he basically properly interrogates Bibi, torturing him and shoving schmutz all over his face, trying to get him to talk. And basically... uh, B.B. basically says with all of his heart that he's telling the truth and Ronnie is behind it and B.M.O. needs to check the pantry and so B.M.O. goes and checks the pantry and is shut in there by someone and none other than Officer David the cat opens the door of the pantry and lets B.M.O. out and immediately Bimo suspects foul play and goes to hunt down Ronnie the the rat. I think he's a rat. He's either a rat or a mouse. And what he finds is outside in the yard in a small pond is Lorraine floating on a barrel with a small amount of stolen treasure that is basically sock sized and as it turns out Lorraine actually stole the sock pinned it on BB knowing he would pin it on Ronnie and it would throw Bimo off the tracks of her just long enough for her to escape with the loot and basically Bimo realizes that he's been outsmarted and Lorraine floats off into the sunset. And then Bimo goes and retrieves the sock and brings it back to Finn and Jake just as they return home. And all is well. And Bimo kind of cheers for himself for a moment because he's cracked the case of how the sock was stolen. Now, that is sort of my simple plot synopsis I tried to not miss anything too important it was kind of a confusing episode because there was lots of things happening even though all of those things were fairly minor Um, but I'm going to refer to my notes really quickly and just kind of point out some things that I sort of skimmed over Uh, so first off was this a filler episode yes I do think we have another episode of Detective Bimo later on at some point but I'm going to call this one yes, even though it does technically introduce Detective Bimo. I was really surprised not to see any sort of appearance of football in this episode as well. And if you refer, if you remember, football is actually Bimo's imaginary friend uh, who happens to be his reflection. Uh, was the snail in this episode? Probably. Did I see it? No. Uh, and were there any fart jokes? No. Now, let's see here. What else do we have to say? The cutest part of this episode, for sure, was when Bimo cracked the case and cheered. Cheered about himself, I guess you could say. Just kind of took a moment to be appreciative of himself and happy, adorable stuff. Now, what else do we have here? The funniest part of the episode uh, was... 
when BMO referred to BB as a dirtbag born of a mother, which was pretty funny because, of course, if it's a character, you know, a person, it was born of a mother, even though Bebe's uh, remote control, as we mentioned. Um, and also there was a part where I kind of glossed over where BMO actually had a run-in with Neptor in the treasure room, and Neptor asked BMO uh, why they don't hang out. They're robots. They should be hanging out more. And BMO just kind of shrugged him off and was like, no, fuck you. It was pretty funny. Else do we have here? <laughs> uh, Bimo was talking about Lorraine uh, to Finn and Jake, and Bimo said Lorraine is red hot like pizza supper, which you know, pretty funny little Bimo analogy there. Um, there was a weird dream sequence where Bimo hurt himself, and he actually fell down the ladder to the treasure room and hit his head. And Neptor was the person to wake him up, uh, and when he was in the dream. He looked like he was looking out the window and he turned around and he had a really like scary humanoid face. Uh, and it was very strange. It was one of the weirdest parts of the episode for sure. Um, and some other things I wanted to note as well. This was the first episode I think that was wholly surrounding just Bimo. Um, I guess you could say that there were some other ones that kind of heavily had a focus on him. But this episode was basically all him and Finn and Jake were barely in it. I would say they were probably in it just as much as they were in the episode with the snow monster and the fire wolf. Um, you know, it was another one of those kinds of episodes, except instead of being centered around some random side characters that were never introduced before, it was centered around Bimo, a lot of people's favorite character. And honestly, I really, really liked the break from Finn and Jake. Uh, and this episode was definitely, like, one to sort of mix up the formula for this block of reviews that I watched. Um, it really had, like, some good variety that I desperately needed while I was watching all of these episodes. It's not to say that they were bad. I just, all of these episodes are fairly important episodes, and this one was, like, my one relief side episode, fun episode, where I could kind of not focus as much on trying to analyze everything and catch any callbacks to previous episodes and instead just kind of enjoy a little b-plot starring bmo uh good stuff but yeah that's all i really have to say about this one overall pretty interesting filler episode one of the better filler episodes in the entire show so far i'm a sucker for anything with bmo slapped on it so this episode was great i hope we get some more detective bmo in the future and hopefully if we do they find a way to shoehorn in football somehow because I would have loved to see football in the Detective Bemo side plot as well. I think that would have been pretty interesting. I was definitely expecting football to have been the one to steal the sock and Bemo discovers that and then it's like in reality Bemo just stole the sock to set up this whole detective adventure for himself. I feel like that would not have been out of character at all and it would have been pretty funny. I think that's the only thing I would have changed, though, that would have made the episode better, because otherwise it was really solid. Now, for Season 4, Episode 18, King Worm, you're gonna have to kind of bear with me. This episode is trippy and off the rails, and the plot just kind of 
is all over the place and most of the episode takes place inside of like a dream dimension so things are purposefully obtuse and hard to follow uh so naturally me describing it on this podcast is also going to be kind of difficult and hard to follow so i'm gonna do my best to mention like uh, key moments in the episode, but I'm definitely not going to do like the usual play-by-play because it's going to be way too hard for an episode like this uh, where kind of tons of random shit is happening and like it's really, really weird shit and it's hard to keep things together. I could hardly keep things together for the Bemo Noir episode we just recorded, so uh, but I'll do my best to kind of give you guys an idea of what this episode was like nonetheless because it certainly was interesting so basically if you recall back to season one episode 12 uh where marceline was introduced and basically they got kicked out of the treehouse for a while and then they found the cave and then marceline decided she liked the cave better so she moved in there at the end of that episode it ended on a really random cliffhanger where basically Finn and Jake arrived back home to find this massive inchworm with a crown and he basically like looked into the camera and went like and hypnotized Finn and Jake into hugging him and then hypnotized the audience and that was how the episode ended on a like random weird thing um So basically, this episode is a continuation of that, and I haven't determined if this episode takes place right after that one, or if they managed to break out of his hypnosis and then they were put back under his hypnosis, or what the timeline order is for this, and I was scared to look it up because of spoilers, but basically... For one reason or another, whether it's in the past or in the sort of present continuity for our episodes, uh, they are under the hypnosis of the King Worm yet again. They being Finn and Jake, obviously. And basically, this whole episode takes place in the confines of an insanely weird and creepy illusionary dream caused by the worm the king worm hence the title of the episode and let's see here basically the idea is finn doesn't know what's real versus what's fake and he's trying to escape the realm of illusions um and sort of throughout the episode he really has to think about like if something is real or not and if he can trust some of the people he sees in his dreams or not. And basically, right off the bat, he runs into Jake, and Jake is, like, wrapping a present, and Lady Rainicorn is there, but she has two mouths, and one of her mouths dispenses tape, which is really weird. Um, And basically, the tape, like, is not sticking for some reason, and Jake's really confused. And Finn comes out and asks Jake if he's real. And Jake's like, yeah, I think I'm real. Spoiler alert, Jake was not real, actually. (laughs) And it turns out that it was a dream Jake. But basically, they go through the dream and they try and find a way to get out. And 
the way they do takes them through a bunch of like crazy weird rooms with tons of like different characters from the show in like weird situations or acting in strange ways and I noted them down here in multiple different sections of the episode uh, in my notes so I'm going to go over some of my favorite parts or some of the weirdest parts Uh, but for now let's just kind of say like weird shit happens just kind of be general about it and basically what happens next is Finn sort of comes to the realization that he thinks he's out of the dream and Jake all of a sudden turns into goop because it turns out it wasn't real and the Jake that had been tagging along with him throughout most of this episode so far was actually an illusion as well but illusion Jake did happen to mention that whenever Finn thinks of anything that causes him to feel genuine fear it sort of starts to break down the dream and cause there to be cracks to form. And that might be a way for him to escape if he thinks about these like fears and kind of manifest them inside of the dream realm. And so basically what happens next is Finn goes through and basically has to imagine every single one of like his deepest darkest fears the one that really stuck out to me was his fear of the ocean because basically a whole ocean comes out of his belly button with like fish and stuff like that and he just kind of has to deal with it and then a bunch of other stuff that he fears also comes out of his belly button including a whole list of things uh let me see what i wrote down here Um, so the ocean, a lich, uh, I think it was Princess Bubblegum. I put Lumpy Space Princess, but I'm pretty sure it was actually Princess Bubblegum that came out of his belly button. And also a clown. It was just really, really weird. And after all of these fears sort of start to come out and Finn becomes scared of them, the worm sort of has no choice but to release him from the dream realm and he's sort of all wrinkled up and he's withering away and Finn and Jake, like the real Finn and Jake are just like, get out of here King Worm, get the fuck out of here and he just sort of slinks out the front door and that's the end of the episode, so it was a very very strange one I'm still on the fence as to whether or not it was stranger than the episode with the deer I don't think it was. I think that episode creeped me out more, and I want to call it weirder still, but this one was pretty damn close to passing it. Let's talk about some of the key details here. So, uh, was this a feller episode? I said no because of the whole continuation with the King Worm. Uh, It seemed pretty important to me, and I have a feeling King Worm will probably come up again later. Um, And did I spot the snail? No. And was there any fart jokes? Also, no. The coolest part of this episode was some of the visual effects that happened while Finn was in the dream realm. There was a lot of, like, really interesting, like, trippy patterns and things at certain parts, and it was just kind of weird. But the funniest part for me personally was a reference to Tom and Jerry, where basically they're chasing after the king worm, and Finn 
runs towards this mouse hole and the king worm enters the mouse hole. He's really small at this point, but Finn is not small. So he tries to like throw himself into this mouse hole even though he's way too big. And when he like pulls his head back, it's the shape of the mouse hole, uh, which is a gag that they did all the time in Tom and Jerry. And I really love the reference there. I used to watch the shit out of Tom and Jerry reruns on Boomerang when I was a kid. Um, so good stuff there. Uh, weirdest parts in the episode. This whole episode? <laughs> nah, I'll give you some specific examples, though. The Ice King was being chased by a massive, like, clump of gunters. Uh, and it was really, really disgusting and weird. There was a part where Lumpy Space Princess was the raindrops. And as soon as, like, the raindrops that were Lumpy Space Princess hit the ground or any object, they would just dissolve. And so there was just a bunch of dying Lumpy space princesses everywhere which was really weird um finn looked in a mirror at one point and saw himself with a robot arm which was very strange i wonder if there's gonna be anything with that down the line that seems like maybe it was a vision of some sort i don't know or maybe it was like future finn it was very strange um and the other thing that i wrote down was the whole thing with the ocean and the lich and uh pb and uh, also, the clown all coming out of his belly button. That was also very strange. Uh, but there was stuff like Jake melting. And uh, there was a part where basically there was like random like animal shape shifting going on. It's just this was a very, very strange episode. And the last thing I want to talk about is I actually have a few notes uh, so I mentioned this before, but basically this is a continuation of Season 1, Episode 12. A whole four seasons later, uh, we actually kind of get to have more continuity when it comes to the King Worm. And I really was so confused if this episode was supposed to take place, like, quite a bit later, or if we jumped back in time or what actually happened, or if they were implying that all the four seasons after episode 12 were, like, all in this dream realm, or what they were trying to imply. It was very, very hard to decipher. Um, and there was a part in this episode, too, where in the illusions, uh, Phil appears, and if you recall from season 3, episode 20... Phil was revealed to be this character that's been in the show since nearly the beginning, uh, where basically he's just this very strange, human-looking, like, creepy guy who goes around, like, basically naked, and he has a really scruffy beard, and he's really, really weird, and he appeared in the illusions in this episode. Um, and another thing I wanted to note when they were in the dream dimension... Finn's hat had longer ears and I think that was kind of a way for the audience to be able to tell when they were in the dream dimension versus in reality um, because I did notice when they were back in the real world his ears did return to normal so I think that might have been a subtle cue that possibly everything that's happened so far in, in the episode has actually happened or everything that's happened so far in the series has actually happened, and this was a one-off dream adventure. And the last thing I wanted to note is the Ice King calls uh, Finn and Jake, Fiona, and Cake in the dream realm as well. It's unclear if the Ice King is actually there, 
or if he was just an illusion because basically he's tortured by the illusions just like Finn and Jake are in the episode, but it's possible that he was an illusion as well. But overall, this was a very strange episode, and I definitely didn't think they were going to give us any sort of follow-up on that whole King Worm saga. Uh, When it turned out to be a King Worm episode, I was just shocked. I did not expect it to be like that. I really did not think that this episode was going to have anything to do with King Worm. I know it was called King Worm, but I just kind of thought he was going to make a small appearance again and it was going to affect somebody else. But no, this whole episode was a creepy, trippy, weird dream. So yeah, I think that's all I really got to say about that one. Uh, Very strange, but interesting. Season 4, episode 19, Lady and Peebles, is an interesting one because basically we have two different characters doing the heroics in this episode, and those two characters are, of course, Lady Rainicorn and Princess Bubblegum. And here's sort of the idea of the plot. So... The episode opens up with Lady and PB heading towards this snowy mountain, or kind of looking over this snowy mountain, and they're in a tent, and PB starts to record like a journal, like an audio journal kind of thing, and she explains that it's been about three weeks since Finn and Jake have gone missing after they originally were going to the Ice Kingdom to stop the Ice King, you know. It was supposed to be a routine Adventure Time adventure uh, where they stopped the Ice King, but they've been missing for three weeks. So Lady Rainicorn and Princess Bubblegum had no choice but to go try and find Finn and Jake and save them from whatever trouble they found themselves in and from wherever they've gotten trapped. And they've already been to the Ice King's Lair, we can assume, and some clues have led them to this nearby mountain that looks significantly more menacing. And basically, they just kind of chat for a while inside of this tent, and Lady Rainicorn uh, kind of airs some of her fears about the journey. Uh, And Princess Bubblegum shows off all these different gadgets she has to help them out during their journey. And she explains that the reason they were able to find Finn and Jake in the first place is because she had secretly planted a tracker in Finn's ear just in case something like this were to happen. I assume that'll probably come up again in a later episode as well. Uh, That's why I wanted to point it out. Um, Basically, after chatting for a little bit and enjoying some tea, uh, they set out into this spooky mountain to try and find and rescue Finn and Jake. And as soon as they enter this spooky mountain, immediately they find themselves in this weird fleshy room, and they're kind of floating through it on the back of Lady Ranicorn's back. And all of a sudden, a bunch of red fleshy arms start to come from the ceiling and the walls and the floor, and start to kind of go all around them and immediately they grab off Princess Bubblegum's like backpack full of gadgets and 
they basically take all of the stuff that she brought to prepare herself, uh, but they do not manage to snag a heart rate sensor that she brought along. Uh, because basically it's explained that once they enter the cave, um, the GPS sensor stops working, so Princess Bubblegum pulls out a heart rate sensor uh, to hopefully track any life forms and assist in finding Finn and Jake. And so she's still got that, but her and Lady Rainicorn are kind of knocked down into the bottom of this weird, fleshy room. And they find themselves in this other room where there's a bunch of eyeballs all over the walls. And the eyeballs shoot laser beams at them. And Lady Rainicorn kind of gets severely injured. But PB does manage to escape fairly unscathed and she has quite a bit of fight still left in her so she proceeds into the next room and that's where she finds basically a hallway and the heart rate sensor is kind of getting more and more of a read and when she reaches the end of the hallway she finds herself in a room where Finn and Jake are on the ground and tied up and the Ice King is also on the ground and his chest cavity is ripped open and there's a bunch of random like fleshy veins and stuff like that coming out of it and he's like oh hello and out from the shadows comes none other than Ricardio that's right Ricardio the heart guy returns and he's stronger than ever. He's used the Ice King's body to build himself fleshy, like massive, swole arms and legs that he's attached to his body, as well as this entire fleshy castle. And basically, he explains that uh, he's poisoned Finn and Jake with uh, Xanoids, which if you remember from the previous episode where they were talking uh, and kind of getting to know each other, Xanoids are incredibly uh, poisonous to most people. And so basically now Lady Rainicorn's passed out and Princess Bubblegum had to drag her into the room as is. Finn and Jake are both knocked unconscious because of the poison from the Xanoids and the Ice King is basically useless because he has no heart and there's all these fleshy tendrils coming out of his chest cavity and overall it's a pretty bad situation and she has to try and figure out how to save all of her friends and escape and basically Ricardio explains that he's realized that he doesn't just want Princess Bubblegum's heart he wants all of her and that's why he built this body for himself and he asks her if she'll marry him and obviously she says no and so essentially what happens next is she actually realizes that there's basically no way for them to escape unless she says yes so she says fine i will marry you if you can defeat me in hand-to-hand -hand combat and there's a fight sequence where Ricardio and PB are kind of just beating the shit out of each other. And it gets to the point where PB knocks him over. 
and rips off his arms and his legs. And the way she does this is basically they're huge, like, muscly, meaty arms. But they're connected to, like, his heart body, I guess you could say, by these, like, thin tendrils. And she basically just pulls and it snaps all of them. And that's how she manages to basically, like, you know, stop him from having any power. And then we get a cut. And basically, after the cut, we find ourselves back in the Candy Kingdom. And Princess Bubblegum has managed to drag every single person back uh, by basically throwing them on top of Lady Rainicorn and then dragging Lady Rainicorn. And she's built the Ice King a new heart, and she's developed an antidote for the Xanoids and given the antidote to Finn and Jake, and she's given Lady Rainicorn time to rest and recuperate her strength after the eyes got to her. And so, one by one, everybody wakes up, and uh, basically the Ice King's just really thrilled because he's got this new heart, and his new heart actually, part of it is maracas, so he starts shaking, and PB starts to get super annoyed, and she's regretting fixing his heart. And she, like, asks Finn and Jake to escort him out of the Candy Kingdom. And basically, the day is saved, and everything kind of goes back to normal. So that's sort of the main ideas of this episode. Let's see what else I have in my notes about this one. Uh, some of the things I wanted to note. Was this a filler episode? No. Well, I think you could make a case that it is, but I think the fact that Ricardio returned kind of made it so I was not able to consider it a filler episode in good conscience. Uh, was the snail spotted? Actually, yes. I spotted the snail inside of Lady Rainicorn and Princess Bubblegum's tent at the beginning of the episode. And no, there was no fart jokes. Uh, let's see here. The cool moments in the episode included when uh, PB made tea with her cool robot tea kettle, and it basically like had a little like a little face, and it popped out and was like, "Princess, your tea is done." And it was really cute. Um, and also, just kind of all of the rest of her gadgets as well. She honestly was kind of like Inspector Gadget with all the crazy different stuff she had, all this different tech, and she had, like, different guns and that kind of thing. Pretty neat. Uh, and also, it was cool how she just managed to basically build the Ice King a new heart, and it was, like, nothing for her, so that was pretty uh, funny and interesting. What else do I have here? Oh, some other things to note, too. I really wish they subtitled Lady Rainicorn in English rather than saying... Uh, every time that she speaks, just speaking Korean, uh, because she's definitely saying some interesting stuff. I think it might just be gibberish, and that's why they don't actually uh, translate it, but I had the urge, because she was talking for so long in this episode, and I just couldn't understand it, uh, to whip out Google Translate, and I translated one of the scenes where she was ranting, and one of the coherent sentences that I pulled from it said, I told you to order Vietnamese noodles. <laughs> so I think that's probably what she was actually saying, but obviously it doesn't make sense for like the plot or anything. So, you know, not super important stuff. 
Um, other than that, Ricardio does call the Ice King Simon at one point, which I thought was interesting. I mean, he is a part of him. Uh, but I guess that kind of shows that the Ice King at least has some awareness somewhere that he is Simon. Maybe that awareness is out of him now. It's hard to say. Um, but overall, I think this episode was supposed to kind of paint this picture that Princess Bubblegum was a badass. And it was supposed to make us like her. And honestly, it kind of worked. It made me like her character quite a bit more. And even though she always acts so, like, brash and, like, she has zero feelings and, like, she's always kind of taking advantage of Finn and Jake... She did, at the end of the day, save their asses in this episode, which I think is really, really crucial to mention. Um, so it's a little bit of character development there for her. It did make her a little bit more of a worthwhile character in my book. And it did uh, kind of serve its purpose to make her seem more important than she actually was. So really, really good stuff there overall. And the last thing I want to mention is at the very end of the episode, Lady Rainicorn reveals that she is actually pregnant. And so, that calls back to when I was talking about the different tiers of dating before. That proves that Lady Rainicorn and Jake have had sex, and presumably, uh, we can look forward to in the next, you know, amount of episodes, I don't know how many it'll take, uh, to Lady Renicorn eventually having some pups that will be essentially Jake's kids. So, we're getting some serious uh, Jake storyline developments here because this is like, you know, kind of huge for him. He's going to be a dad. So, really, really interesting to see where that's going to go and what a Rainicorn, uh magical dog hybrid baby is going to look like. And I'm really curious to see if they're going to follow through with this and actually have Jake have children because, honestly, I don't know if I could see that being a, a thing in the show, but apparently they're going to do it as far as this episode is leading us to believe. So, overall, I think that was the most interesting revelation of this episode. It was interesting seeing Ricardio return. And the other interesting part about that as well is now he is outside of the Ice King permanently, so it'll be interesting to see if he manages to live on his own or if he's going to kind of have any other plans that he's going to try and hatch and be evil and kind of be a reoccurring villain now. But yeah, I think that's all I really got to say about this one. Season 4, episode 20 you made me. I kind of did a horrible job explaining this episode in my notes, and it's been one day since I watched the episode, but yet I can hardly remember some of the details, so bear with me here, folks. I'm going to try and jog my own memory while also recalling the events of the episode. Uh, but basically, this is the return of Lemon Grab. Lemon Grab returns... And the way he returns is as follows, approximately. Uh, so, Finn and Jake are basically at the Candy Kingdom as per usual. And they had just gotten done doing some other shit for Princess Bubblegum. And they were heading out. And they went into the security room, just because they were kind of curious. 
and that's where two banana guards were posted to keep an eye on the security cams around the Candy Kingdom. And Finn and Jake are just kind of amazed by how cool the security cams are, and the banana guards explain that they have something really cool that they've seen on the security guards, but they don't want to tell anyone because they don't want it spoiled. And Finn and Jake kind of convince them to tell them uh, what they've seen on the security cams. And they zoom in on a very dark part of a security cam that is placed in a room where one of the residents of the Candy Kingdom is sleeping. And in the shadows is none other than Lemon Grab, stalking one of the Candy Kingdom's residents in the night while they sleep. Now this brought up multiple questions. First of all, why the hell is Lemon Grab in the room stalking the resident of the Candy Kingdom? But also, almost more importantly, why are there security cameras monitoring the residents of the Candy Kingdom while they sleep? What the fuck, Princess Bubblegum, hello? Uh, but other than that, basically they realize Lemon Grab is in there and that's what they're kind of laughing at. And the banana guards are like, all right, now don't tell anyone because we don't want you to ruin our TV show. And immediately it cuts to half the Candy Kingdom in the security room, uh, looking over the massive camera monitors and just kind of gasping because Lemon Grab has been secretly watching them every night for a few weeks now. And immediately Princess Bubblegum goes to confront him and so she runs into the room and flicks on the lights and he kind of just comes out and he's upset that he's been caught and he makes miscellaneous lemon grab noises like his whole you know noises like that uh and basically he just explains that he's bored of you know ruling over castle lemon grab because there are no peasants in Castle Lemon Grab. It's just him. Because if you recall from the previous episode with, uh, with Lemon Grab, basically he was created by Princess Bubblegum in an attempt to create sort of life. And from what I could gather, it was very similar to her escapades that also backfired when she tried to create the Candy Sphinx Goliad to take her place if for whatever reason, she was unable to rule the Candy Kingdom. Um, and in the first episode, he arrived to the Candy Kingdom to rule over it because uh, Princess Bubblegum had just been transformed by the Lich in a horrific accident into a much younger version of herself, too young to rule the kingdom. Uh, but anyway, go listen to my review of that episode if you want to hear more about that. Uh, but basically, he's the Earl of Lemongrab, which Lemongrab is a castle uh, that's quite a ways away from the Candy Kingdom. Basically, it's just somewhere for him to be himself and to not sort of hurt anyone and to not annoy anyone. And he's got no citizens to rule over, so he basically explains that he decided to show up in the Candy Kingdom and watch over the residents while they sleep as a means to feel like he is ruling them. and like he is ruling someone, I should say. Um, and basically, Princess Bubblegum is not happy about this, and so she gets him to leave, but sure enough, he comes back the next night, and so they sort of have to devise a plan. And their plan is to send 
three volunteers to go live in Castle Lemon Grab with Lemon Grab and kind of get them to get off their fucking backs. And so basically nobody volunteers because obviously nobody wants to go live with Lemon Grab, but a newly introduced group of characters known as the Pup Gang uh, decide to step up and bargain for living in Castle Lemongrab. And we're introduced to the Pup Gang in this episode, and the three members of the Pup Gang are Jamaica, their leader, and then Tuffy and Blombo. And basically, they're kind of notorious for, like, being uh, troublesome, troublesome youths or ne'er-do-wells, you know, that kind of thing. And they basically want from Princess Bubblegum uh, pardon from their past crimes, a big wad of cash, and that's it. And if they get those two things, they'll go live in Castle Lemon Grab. So obviously, uh, Princess Bubblegum provides them with both of those things, and they set off for Castle Lemon Grab. And I've only just now realized, I remember why Finn and Jake showed up uh, to the Candy Kingdom in the first place. This is actually pretty cool. So Princess Bubblegum developed a machine that can see people's auras, and they were sort of just testing it out for her. She was basically using them as human guinea pigs. I totally forgot about it. Uh, but some of the visuals were actually really cool, and uh, it gave them a reason to be in the Candy Kingdom, more or less. And there was some other interesting things that happened with the aura machine, but I'll bring that up here in a little bit. Uh, but anyway, back to the actual plot here. So... Uh, Jamaica, Tuffy, and Blombo arrive at Castle Lemon Grab, and immediately Lemon Grab starts to try and bark commands at them. And the main command is Lemon Grab wants Blombo to take off his headphones, but Blombo is always listening to headphones, so of course he's not going to take them off because that's his whole character, and like, you know, that's who he is is the guy who listens to headphones all the time. Uh, and Lemon Grab gets so mad that he grabs his sound sword and fries Blombo's headphones by casting a beam of sound at them, uh, which is pretty badass, but also, you know, obviously Lemon Grab is kind of evil in this moment, and it honestly ends up uh, getting to the point where the pup gang is so bad for Lemon Grab that he locks them up in this booth and launches these sonic beams in there uh, that bounce off the walls and are so screechingly loud that it like shocks them uh, and it's actually really fucked up basically lemon grab tortures them and so after about a week or so of time passing lemon grab shows back up in the bedrooms of the sleeping residents of the candy kingdom and that's when pb finn and jake the rest of the Candy Kingdom, for that matter, realized that Lemon Grab must have done something to the pup gang. So, PB, Finn, and Jake set off to Castle Lemon Grab to kind of figure out what happened to the pup gang and maybe attempt to rescue them as well, uh, because even if they're like ne'er-do-wells, they don't deserve to be tortured by Lemon Grab. So, when the gang arrives to Castle Lemon Grab, uh, they sort of explore for a little bit, but then uh, when they're exploring the sound booth where they find the pup gang sort of passed out and bruised up, 
Uh, Lemon Grab quickly closes the door behind them, trapping them in the booth, and then starts to electrically shock them using those sound waves. And I should mention, only Finn and Jake went into this booth. Uh, Princess Bubblegum split up from them because she actually was going to go somewhere and do something important. So she was not with them. And basically, Finn and Jake are in the sound booth for a while, but they managed to smash open the window and escape. And basically, right as they're about to start a fight with Lemon Grab, Princess Bubblegum comes in the door, and she has a new character with her, a second Lemon Grab. <laughs> and so basically, in Lemon Grab's kitchen, she quickly whipped up a second living humanoid lemon man uh, to live with Lemon Grab and sort of provide him company and give him somebody to kind of rule with and kind of, you know, just live with so he's entertained. And Lemon Grab immediately approves of this and kind of drops the whole bad guy act and is happy. And this second Lemon Grab, which they have not given a name, uh, is basically also voiced by Justin Roiland, looks almost identical, and other than wearing different clothes by the end of the episode, you could not tell them apart. Uh, but basically, the episode ends with them sort of leaving the castle, sort of similarly to how, like, Ash and the gang and Pokemon leave the towns, and all the townsfolk are like, thank you, Ash, thank you, Pikachu, thank you, Brock and Misty, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and so Finn, Jake, Princess Bubblegum, and the pup gang are leaving the Lemon Grab castle, and the two Lemon Grabs are standing on top of its walls, and they're like, thank you! This is great! Yeah! Feel free to call anytime if you're gonna visit, but make sure you call! Seriously, call before you visit! You know, stuff like that. That was my best, like, Justin Roiland, uh, character voice. I hope you liked it. Um, but overall got a little bit of a continuation of the lemon grab story really really good stuff there and i do have a couple other things of note that i want to bring up about this episode so let's hop into that first of all no this was not a filler episode lemon grab continuity has happened so we're officially you know uh continuing the lemon grab storyline in this episode so that's definitely not filler um and did i spot the snail hell no was there any fart jokes? No, not really. Um, other than that, funniest parts. Uh, so one of the funniest parts of this episode was when uh, the banana guards were watching the security cameras and Finn and Jake asked them to show them what they saw in there. The, the one who was controlling the security camera uh, sort of moved the mouse to the area where Lemon Grab was in the room started zooming in and the way he did it was he pressed the plus key on the keyboard and as he was pressing it like repeatedly he was going plus 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 it was really funny and also when they were trying to find somebody to go live in castle lemon grab mr cupcake gets volunteered and mr cupcake snaps his own fucking arm breaking it so he doesn't have to go live in castle lemon grab which is very telling for how much the residents of the Candy Kingdom hate Lemon Grab. Um, otherwise, also, it was really funny when Lemon Grab wanted uh, Blombo to take off his headphones and then fried them. 
And the weirdest part of this episode that was sort of left unexplained is at the beginning when they were testing the Aura machine, uh, they wanted to test Peppermint Butler's Aura, and he said, oh no, you do not want to test my Aura. And so they just didn't test it. Which is very strange because they keep setting up Peppermint Butler as this really creepy, sort of like unnerving character. Like he knew death himself when they went to the uh, realm of death to get back the soul of the princess plant plant in that one episode. Uh, I definitely think there's more to Peppermint Butler than what meets the eye. And I definitely think as we progress in the series, we're going to get more sort of lore on peppermint butler and hopefully figure out a little more about his backstory because you can tell there's some interesting stuff going on there um and other than that last thing i wanted to mention in case anybody missed the first episode with lemon grab uh back a few seasons ago lemon grab is voiced by justin roiland the voices of rick and morty and many other iconic characters uh really really funny guy and I just kind of wanted to give a little shout out to this game that uh, his company Squanch Tendo is working on. <laughs> yeah, it's a really dumb name for a company, but you know, they make pretty interesting games, I gotta say. Uh, but let me quickly look up what the name of the game is so I don't fuck it up when I shout it out. Oh, I guess they changed their name to Squanch Games, just so we're clear. So they definitely uh, acknowledge the fact that Squanch Tendo was a fucking awful name. And uh, I think they probably just wanted to release their games on the Switch, so they went ahead and switched their name to uh, Squanch Games instead of Squanch Tendo. Uh, but they have some really excellent VR titles. Uh, they worked with Crows, 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 the people who own the rights to the Stanley Parable, to make this game called... Uh, fuck, what's it called? Now? Accounting Plus. Accounting Plus is one of my favorite VR games, and it's got a lot of his humor sort of wrapped into the game and it's just really really enjoyable and there's lots of like meta humor and really really gross and weird stuff uh really great sort of weird comedy entry into vr uh they made the rick and morty vr game and they also made trover saves the universe which is a flat screen or vr game where it's like a a 3d platformer where you control a character in the game who is controlling a character in the game. It sounds really meta, but once you sort of see it, you'll get it. Basically, you play an alien called a Chair Orpion, and the Chair Orpion has a video game controller and is controlling Trover, who is basically a character. And you, you and Trover are trying to get back your dogs, and your dogs were stolen by this guy, and, uh, and your dogs were put into his eyes. Like, he had no eyes, so he took your dogs and made them his eyes. Really, really weird. Uh, really, really interesting stuff, though. And their new game that they've got coming out uh, is called High on Life. And basically, it's some sort of, like, an open-world, uh, like, RPG first-person shooter, I think. And the idea behind it is all of the guns are... Like, uh, all of the guns have personalities, and they talk to you. And so, while you're playing this game, and while you're shooting people, these guns are going to be talking to you. And I think just from that little pitch, it sounds like such a great thing for Justin Roiland to kind of have a part of. I hope they get some other voice actors for the guns, but there's got to be, like, 
a bunch of guns where it's Justin Roiland voicing the guns because I bet it'd be so fucking funny. But the general idea is you're somebody with like a high school diploma. They made sure to make that very clear. And you are like a teen turned intergalactic bounty hunter all because there's this like new alien mafia that's come to earth and started kidnapping people uh, because they basically use humans as drugs. It sounds crazy, but I'm honestly super fucking hyped for it, and I bet it's going to be really good. And if it's a little more substantial than their past games, then it's going to be really great. And I hope they're not afraid to like do some real RPG stuff and actually make it like play almost like uh, the Outer Worlds, you know, or you know, like the Fallout games or something. I think it could be really interesting if it's well executed because Squanch Games has a very distinct and interesting and entertaining style. But either way, I've almost talked about this one episode for 18 minutes just because of this Justin Roiland rant. Uh, But Guy's one of my idols, so I can't not talk about him when I'm talking about, you know, uh, an episode that prominently features his character. So there's that, folks. Sorry for the ramble on that one. Well, folks, that's about going to do it for this episode of Hyrulean Reviews Adventure Time. I tell you, this block of reviews was really, really great because these episodes were awesome. Seriously, the writing in the show is starting to reach its peak, and it was great to have continuations of the stories of Ricardio and Lemon Grab and King Worm, and Bimo got his whole own episode in this block. Seriously, guys, if you have not started watching Adventure Time, which I hope if you're listening to this part of the individual episodic reviews, you've at least watched it before, uh, you need to watch it. Season 5 has been so great, and I think the show has finally started to like come into its own in a major way and like hook me at this point. Uh, and it's seriously so enjoyable to watch and every single episode keeps me wondering what's going to happen next and they've got so many fresh ideas they're throwing out right now it's just it's a really really good time to watch the show i'm sorry i ranted about justin roiland and rick and morty for a while in that last episode's review i just really really like the guy and i really really liked you know his stuff so I wanted to shout it out in case anybody also likes his stuff Um, but other than that I really don't have much else to say I kind of say the same things in all of these outros Uh, but long story short only other thing I wanted to mention is if you haven't seen the bonus points where I talk about kind of where this series is going to be headed here in the next year Uh, Definitely go check that out. Lots of good information in there. And I kind of just express some of the trials and tribulations I've had uh, making the series. And kind of I talk about what will happen if I don't end up finishing it by the end of 2022. Really important stuff to the series. And if you care, definitely go give it a listen. But either way, folks, thanks for hanging out and listening to me talk about Adventure Time. Uh, But yeah. I think that's all I got to say. The last thing I want to mention is fuck you, HBO. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you.